All right, good morning and welcome. We're back once again, and we're in the beginning of October. Notice the last couple mornings have been a little bit cooler. That's nice. That's a blessing. And um, so we've had a, for the ones that are listening out there in, in cyberspace, we're located here in north central Florida, and uh, last week's been kind of exciting for us Floridians down here with the, the big storm passing through. And uh, that's going to be our, our jumping off point today for our modern issues and show how that fits into to God's world and how he's with us and working with us and a few things we're going to talk about today using this as our, our backdrop. And uh, first of all, I'd like to start off with our, our little bit of scripture too that we can mix in and, and think about as we're going on with it. And that's going to come from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and dead in Christ shall rise first. And when we are alive and remain, we shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So, uh, the title of today's message is, Are You Ready For It? And uh, so, back to the beginning of this week, or the end of last week, we got news that a big storm was coming. And there's always certain preparations that one should take when such news is presented to us. The first thing I want to ask you is, have you ever seen a hurricane? Now, before you answer yes or you raise your hand, I want you to really think about that. Have you ever actually seen a hurricane? You've seen the aftermath of a hurricane. You've seen the effects of the hurricane. You've seen the wind. You've seen the rain. But we don't actually see the actual the actual monster, the device that's causing all these things to happen. You know, it's a system of, of air pressure, moisture content, and these things that come together in the atmosphere that form these situations. We know the wind's there because we can see it blow things around. We can feel it on our skin. We see the rain come pummeling down, and we see the damage and devastation that's in his path. Even though that we can't see it, we're told it's a hurricane and we believe it. We see the effects of it and it's happened time and time again. We can compare that to, to God. We can't see him. We can't see him with our eyes, but we can feel his presence. We can feel his effect. We can see proof of his aftermath. When he 
blesses us. When He answers our prayers. When He guides our life. When He gives us comfort. When He gives us love. When He gives us peace. When He provides us with His grace and His mercy. We can't see Him, but we know that He's there. We get this argument, well, I'm not going to believe in God because there's no proof. Well, there's lots of things in the world that we can't see, that we can't touch, but yet it is there. It is fact. Different places around the world, they've been finding these skeletal remains that what looks like giants. And we know from the Word of God that they did walk on this earth. In fact, God had to cause a great flood because of them because they were an abomination and never should have been. People like Goliath was a, a giant of that time. But the world doesn't want us to know about these things because when we have these evidence that we can put with the Word of God, it just strengthens the Word of God that much more. And the world, which is of Satan does not want that to happen. So we've got to keep that suppressed and put away because we don't want anything that's going to reinforce the Word of God. That's how Satan works. Well, we just have to take a moment. We have to look and realize that God is here with us. When uh, I see that there's a storm a-brewing, one of my first preparations is to talk to God about it and ask for His protection. We got a lot of things going on that we don't want to deal with this extra, extra aftermath. We talk to God about it. And I have a strong faith in God that He is going to protect us no matter how the situation turns out. And we were blessed. Prayers were answered. And we're, we're out here. We were very, very safe. Got a little wind. Didn't even get any rain. Power was out for only about an hour one day. And for our power grid, that's pretty good. And uh, we, were, we were safe. Now, if we look at the ones that are down south that took the, the brunt of the impact, you know, we can say, well, what about them? Well, I can say that they are, are blessed too. You know, we should praise God in the storm. Because even though they may have lost stuff, they still have a life to live. Many times we get so caught up in our stuff. It becomes the driving 
factor in our life. We got to have a, a bigger house, a better car. We need all the latest gadgets. We think we need all these things to, to make us happy. And sometimes we have to have things put into perspective to show us that everything that we accumulate here, we are not taking with us. Anything we build up here does not matter. And we're going to leave it all behind that God has something better for us. This world we're in right now is temporary. Revelation 22 and 12. And behold, I come quickly. And these are in the words of red. Behold, I, become, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Whatever we have here, God has something so much better for us on the other side. Jesus tells us that in my father's house, there are many, what? Mansions. Not houses, not places, not beds, but mansions. And he goes, says, I go before you to prepare a place. So no matter what you have here, God has got something better for us on the other side. And you could say, well, people lost their lives. How is that a blessing? Because to be absent in the world is to be present with the Lord. That is, you know, Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. why we have to be prepared because anyone that lost their lives this past week this past months nobody not many of us are really ready sometimes it can be so instant so quick and we always have something more to do we have to be prepared for it And my biggest prayer is that anyone that has lost their life, that they have made those preparations and they have secured that place. That they have secured one of them mansions in my father's house. That they have taken Jesus as their personal Savior. I did a few things to get ready. We tied down a few things that was, that was loose. We got a, a little bit of gas. And um, hunted up a flashlight. Because like I said, our power grid's not that great. And it don't take much of anything for the lights to go out for a while. And when you have special needy children, you want to make sure that you can get them as comfortable as possible. Make everyone's life happy. So you always take preparations. And so small preparations is not being unfaithful to God. Because I prayed about it and I believed that God was going to take care of each and every one of our needs. But we still have to do things on our own. And 
we have to make smart choices. And as we uh, look around over the events of the past week and we can watch people's actions and look at how they become prepared. As I was watching, I seen vehicles pull into the stations and they would fill up not one, not two, but dozens of gallons of gas cans. Dozens. Pickup truck loads. So much so that the tanker trucks were making extra stops to have to refill the stations and fill the demand. There was water was gone everywhere. Bread was gone. And I wonder what it is that you are justifying your actions with. You know, we have to admit that during the most of our times that a lot of us, if we drink one bottle of water a day, we're probably really accomplishing something. So why is it that you need a pickup truck load of water? You know, if it was Diet Coke, I might would understand. All that bread. How many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches were you really planning on eating? I mean, really, can you go through it all before it ever turns bad? And we've seen this time and time again. Every time there's a disaster, we see a, a hoarding effect. We had a toilet paper shortage, and people was filling up their houses with it, grabbing every little piece that they could. There's some of them that's still going to be using off their hoard for years to come because things go back to normal pretty quick. All that gas will go bad before it ever gets used. And then, you know, we see a run. There's no, there's no generators around. There's, there's no these things like that. But then as soon as the threat is over, we see people rushing back to, to take it back and try to get their money back. And I don't understand because I've been in the state all my life and we have faced these threats on average about one every other year. They, they show up. This is nothing new, not a surprise. We know what happens. We know what needs to be done. So why is it that we only choose to be prepared right at the last minute. You know, why don't we maintain a little bit of stock? We can put that generator in the back corner and have it for safekeeping. We can keep a few extra cases of water on hand. We can throw them canned goods on a shelf. You know, we can be prepared at any time. We live under the earth's curse system. We're constantly worried about not having enough. And because of that, we go overboard. 
But what we don't realize is, is that if we trust in God, if we follow what God says, that we would all be okay. You know, they talk about that there's so few people in the world that have so much. They have so much of the riches and the wealth and all these things. And then there's others that think that these things should be distributed. Well, the problem is, is that we're not looking at it from a, a godly point. We're looking at it of a point of, of laziness. See, the one side don't want to do anything to have anything. They want it handed to them for nothing. And then the one side feels like that they've accumulated so much that why should they give up anything? You know, and that's one problem that we have. And we wonder why God doesn't make us successful is because that we're not going to be generous. God tells us that we need to be the body of Christ, that we need to be brothers and sisters and to love one another. And it's sad. It's sad when we see that the President of the United States makes demands upon the state that we're only going to help you if you do these things. And then the vice president comes along and says, okay, well, we're going to do this, but we're only going to take care of certain people first. Not because of need, not because of, of age, not because of, of disability, but because of what we feel is the most important and who we feel is the most deserving. These are not godly actions. We see the people with fortune and they, they make these charities so they can seem like they're doing something. But yet, nothing's being accomplished. We're not seeing anything change. They're not making a difference because it's not about actually helping people. It's about how they look and what we can use for a write-off. What can we use for a tax break? No, there's no love involved in it. There's no brother and sister compassion there. There's just greed and what man thinks of us. We don't have that mentality. We don't ever think of leaving something behind for someone else. We just want to make sure we have plenty. And just fooey on everyone else. As long as we got enough, nothing else matters. These are not godly thought processes. And you know, if everybody just took their fair share, stores have to put limits because people will take too much. I frequent the hardware store very often. And, of course, now it's that time of year for the, for the decorations for the Halloween. And they have signs up, limit one per customer. 
And I just have to chuckle and have to think about it that really, do you need more than one animatronic werewolf? I mean, really. But yet, if they don't, of course, there will be people taking more than their fair share. Preparation. We will make sure we have gas, we have water, we'll have bread and milk. Why milk? What do you do with it? If the power goes out, how are you going to keep it fresh? Don't understand the milk shortage. Peanut butter, canned goods. We have all these things that we'll, we'll stock up on in preparation of. Because we feel that's important, we'll make sure that we have enough. But then as soon as the threat's over, we want to get rid of it all. Take it back, get our money back so we can go spend it on something else. Why is it that we don't take a, an active role in being prepared for the second coming of Jesus? You know, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to die and you're going to either go to heaven or hell or Jesus is going to come back and you're either going to go to heaven or hell. God tells us he's bringing his rewards with him. And he's coming. Revelation 20 and 11. And I saw a great white throne, and that him that sat on it, through whose face and the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead and small and great stand before God, and the books were open, and other book was open, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in these books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the dead and the hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And the dead and the hell cast into the lake of fire. And this was a second death. And whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You know, some pretty heavy stuff. So, if we don't make the choice, now I want to make this very clear, God is not sending us to hell. If you wind up at hell, that is from your own free choice because you have decided not to accept Jesus Christ. You have decided not to accept the gift of salvation. You have decided to ignore the sacrifice he has made and his finished work on the cross. You and only you have put yourself in that situation and sent yourself to hell. Nothing to do with God. It's your choice. He gives us free will. He allows you to make that choice. And if you think that he's just going to pluck you away, then everything that 
Jesus has done would be for nothing. God does everything with purpose. And Jesus had a very significant purpose. And it's for you to be able to make this choice and to have salvation and to secure your spot in heaven. But wait, there's more. So if we get through that initial process, God is going to look at everything that we've done. The good, the bad, and everything in between. And he's got rewards for the good stuff. And I can't imagine what it would be like to stand before God in the presence of Jesus, our Savior, and have to account for the bad things that we've done. We have to, to look at the scales and see, does our good outweigh our bad? Because yes, we are all sinners. We all have past. We've all made mistakes. And that's just the facts of being human. And we're going to have things in that pile. And that's okay. Because Jesus covered us with his blood. He's interceded for us. He has covered us and forgiven us for all of those sins. What have we done to, to pay it back? Is our pile of, of goodness... How big is that going to be? Is your reward going to be a crown full of jewels? Or is it going to be some costume jewelry? Said so there's many mansions. I wonder if some of them are smaller than others. I wonder if all of them's got a jacuzzi. And we know that if that's the case, then some of us is going to have a lot better digs than others. Do we ever think about that? Do we ever think about eternity and how that's going to be? I mean, it's going to be grand. It's it's heaven. I'd rather be scrubbing toilets and washing dishes in heaven than I would be doing anything in hell. I mean, there's, there's no downside to heaven. But it sure would be that much sweeter to hear God say, Well done, my faithful servant. That when you look at the course of your life, that the good far outweighs the bad. That you've been selfless a whole lot more than you've been selfish. That you've given more than you've received. That you've loved more than you've hated. That you were thankful more than you complained. 
preparation. God has given us His Word. He's given us all the instruction that we need to be better people, to be better brothers and sisters. Instructions how to be fathers, how to be mothers, how to be teachers, how to live our lives. Not only so we can accomplish these things and we can be better for ourselves and better for each other, but we can be happy. That we can be fulfilled. This is our preparation. Death is that approaching storm. We're in the preparation portion of it right now. And you know that all along, ever since Jesus came on the scene, you know, they thought right then that he was going to become king, rise up and take care of all the problems. And from the time that he ascended, every generation has been saying that this is the generation that Jesus will return. Jesus will return. And I used to think that it's not something that I would see in my lifetime. That I still have many more years to go. That my children have many more years to go. But I've seen such a rapid decline in the state of the world in the last few years. That not only am I thinking that the time is near. I'm also thinking that it might wouldn't be so bad. We still have a lot of work to do. There's a lot of souls to be saved, but time has to be rapidly approaching. Things keep getting worse and worse and worse. We see that sin is overtaking everything. And we see that the way that we react, all it takes is a little bit of a a disturbance in our normalcy and people just turn on one another. All in the name of self-preservation. When we all should just pull together and work together. And we see so much evil happening and what do we do we support it we go with the masses maybe it's because it was easier maybe it's because we choose not to study the word we have no preparation so we have to go with what everything else we want to be liked We don't want to rise up. We're lazy. We used to be a country that stood up for what's right. We protected the weak. We protected the innocent. We stood up for God. And that simply doesn't happen anymore. Everything, when it comes to God, we try to blur those lines. We blur the lines of what's 
right and wrong. To the point where we can't even answer basic questions anymore. What is a man? What is a woman? Who can give birth? And then when the reality of truth sets in, if we don't like that, we just choose not to accept it. What is God going to have to say about all of this? A lot of devastation happened this week. It's going to take a long time to rebuild. And people are going to be displaced and uncomfortable for a while. But it's just stuff. We're becoming a society that puts more wealth, more worth upon stuff than anything else. When it all can be replaced, rebuilt, renewed. Our most important aspect that we have is our souls. And what are we doing to protect them? Because we're operating outside the Word of God. We are operating in the world. They are being tarnished. They are being tormented. They are being damaged. And that's the only thing that we're taking with us. That's the only thing that's moving on to the next chapter of our lives is our soul. The things that we do, not what we've accumulated. We don't know when our last moment will be. I doubt that anyone that got caught up in the storm planned on being caught up in a storm. You know, we look and we try to predict where things are going and we think we're okay and the next minute things turn. And it's not just that. You can be driving down the road, you can trip and fall down your stairs, or something can go a mist inside your body and the next thing you know, you're gone. No chance to repent, no chance to turn yourself over to God, just gone. And then it's too late. For many of us, we're, we're waiting we're waiting. We're, we're pushing it off. We're going to wait. We're going to wait because we want to do things our way. We want to have our freedom. We don't want God telling us what to do. And we want to be able to do these things. And we'll, we'll wait till the end. We'll wait closer to the end. But we don't know when that end is. And we don't know when Jesus is coming back. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be in 100 years. Only God knows that time. But are we... Prepared for it. What are we going to look like? What if it was tomorrow? What if it was tomorrow? Are we standing there before God? Is He going to say, Good job, or is He going to say, I know you not? 
When you're standing there, are you going to be able to say, well, I wish I had done more. I was going to do more. I just ran out of time. What are we prioritizing in our lives? You know, when we have a a situation like this, if you're going to evacuate, if you're going to secure your homes, we take and prioritize what is the most important things to us. And that's what we protect. And as we do these things and we prioritize our lives, God keeps getting pushed further and further away. Because we'll think about, we'll take care of that later. We'll think about that later. We'll take care of that later. What if later never comes? The time for us to start prioritizing God is now. We do all these other things. We buy life insurance. We set up wills. We take care of our assets to be able to pass things down to our children. We set up retirement plans. We do all these things for the future. But that's very limited because there is something past retirement. There is something past death. There is eternity. What do we do for that? What do we do for those final steps? That long part of the journey. That forever part of the journey. What do we do to prepare for that? And if your answer is nothing, if your answer is very little, if your answer is not the top of your priority, those things need to change right now.